Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alright, welcome back. The Champions League is back. So are we with another episode of the What If Football podcast taking a look season by season on the Champions League in Le Grandes Equipes. And we're here in the 2006-07 season picking up where we left off. Barcelona were the holders. You've got the Sharks of Milan, Liverpool, Chelsea. Maybe a return for Manchester United. Let's get stuck in. of course this podcast is available on the sports social podcast network and anywhere else where you get your podcasts and we are if you like podcasts like these we are on patreon as well for just one pound a month five days a week with bonus stuff so let's go back to 2006 for first part of this show take a look at some of the pretenders to the Champions League throne in the 2006-07 season one of those unfortunately were Barcelona defending the trophy they made hard work of getting out of the groups but here we have a a team in Frank Rijkaard's final days with Ronaldinho seemingly checking out and uh, not providing the consistency that he had done over the past couple of years which earned him the Champions League which earned him the Ballon d'Or too, and in the gap between Pep Guardiola arriving at the club, we have Lionel Messi, not as experienced and not as not as um, wise in the Champions League as he would become, of course, but he would save them late on in, in a draw against Bremen, and Werder Bremen around this time, quite a, a handy outfit. And um, equally, Didier Drogba scores late on at the camp now in a 2-2 draw, in the group phase, and Barcelona need a win to essentially confirm their spot in the final game of the group, and it's a it's a 2-0 win 
against Werder Bremen to make it to the last 16 and uh, confirm their place against Liverpool. Of all players, it was the likes of Craig Bellamy and his golf swing at the camp now that eliminated Barcelona in the last 16. And around this stage, there was a bit of a curse. The, the winners going into the tournament had a little bit of a habit going out at the last 16. We had Porto in 2005, although understandable considering Jose Mourinho had left and uh, it was a brand new era with obviously quite a few of their players leaving, like Deco, like Ricardo Carvalho, Paulo Ferreira, etc. Liverpool couldn't get over uh, Istanbul and win it again in 2006 and they went out to Benfica, as we, of course, discussed last week. And here, Barcelona, 2007, they were out at the last 16 again, this time to Liverpool. Speaking of last 16 eliminations, it's the mid-2000s, so of course we're going to be discussing Real Madrid again, again. We didn't talk about them too much last week as it's almost become to the point of uh, parody at this stage, but uh, we may as well talk here about Real Madrid. They had a bit of trouble against um, Lyon in the group phase, and by that point you've got to say really that that Lyon were a better team, better better unit they were of course still in 2006-7 still dominating French football of course those days would be uh, would be numbered in a, in a in a year or two with the rise of Marseille Bordeaux and of course of course Monaco Montpellier and PSG Real Madrid would finish second to Lyon by this point and we mentioned last week that Lyon were probably in the top 10 European teams around this time they were always in the they graduated from harsh knockouts in the group stages and they were now firmly a, a knockout stage staple in the Champions League. And here the, the beating Real Madrid, the mighty Real Madrid, the the grandest of all the equipes to first place in the group. And um, for Real Madrid, as a result of finishing second, they would miss out on playing Roma, who of course eliminated them in the last 16 the previous season. And they would draw the mighty Bayern Munich, where they probably have one of the worst records of any of any team to go to um, to go to Munich, and it was quite um, you can't really call them a bogey team because Bayern Munich are just too good for that for to be uh, given that sort of label. But uh, it was akin to 2002's final between Leverkusen and uh, Real Madrid. Really, Raúl and Lucio trading the goals. Obviously, Lucio had graduated from Leverkusen and was pinched by Bayern Munich, and it was even their style at the time there, as it was later on in the 2010s. And Real Madrid won 3-2, but it was just a shame then that uh, Real Madrid had to go to Munich where they have this rotten record. And uh, Mark van Bommel's 88th minute sickener didn't really help. And um, in the away goal stakes, Bayern Munich were were through. This was, of course, the game where Roy Mackay scored the quickest Champions League goal yet in the second leg at the Allianz Arena. Now we are in, of course, and that would uh, help alongside Van Bommel in terms of the uh, the goal at the Bernabeu to put Bayern Munich through Lucio scoring again in the second leg and Real were out again at the last 16. Those two teams though, Bayern Munich and Lyon, they didn't really go much further, didn't really make an imprint into the remainder of the tournament. Daniel Van Boyten's unlikely double seemed to give Bayern Munich a bit of an advantage back at the uh, back at the Allianz, but they were of course, in the quarterfinals, playing AC Milan. And in terms of Bayern Munich, obviously a huge club with, um, by this point, four Champions League winners' medals. AC Milan, though, in terms of recent Champions League experience, well, they would have, they were 
part of the two of the last three finals and still under the control of Ancelotti, still had the likes of Clarence Seedorf, Pippo Inzaghi, who both equaled uh, Bayern Munich's away goals in the second leg. Bayern Munich couldn't respond to that. And of course, by this stage, you've got Kaká. He's, we're in sort of a the dawn of a new era. The likes of Zidane have um, retired. Ronaldo is on certainly on the back nine. And you've got some... Players here in Kaka for AC Milan, Leno Messi for Barcelona and Cristiano Ronaldo, who we'll dis- discuss later on, who were fighting to become that next that next generational star. Of course, all the Galacticos have either left or were on the back nine of their careers at Real Madrid. Hence, the consistent last 16 eliminations. And um, as we say, Bayern Munich, they were suffering the same fate, but around later on in the quarterfinals, Milan were the team of this time, really. And um, Roma and Mancini scored a ridiculous step over, ridden goal inside um, at the Stadio Land against Lyon to help eliminate them at the last 16. So Lyon always, unfortunately, came a cropper um, outside of the 2003-04 season, they were usually found out at the last 16 or the quarterfinals, unfortunately. And here it was Roma winning to um, to play Manchester United in the quarterfinals. But, of course, more on that one later. And we go to Arsenal. In terms of last 16 exits, they weren't on that string just yet. They were, of course, finalists going into uh, going into this season. And it was their first year at the Emirates. They, they still conceded quite... Um, Quite a low tally of goals. Obviously, they were had their incredible defensive record the prior season, conceding just four in. It would have been 13 games, wouldn't it? And uh, here they were quite uh, defensively proficient in the groups, um, conceding three goals, but essentially only squeaked through this time round. And... Um, we discussed that it was not the time of the, the Bayern Munich 10-2 results, the, the litany of last 16 exits, but here they fell exactly the same way as uh, as Barcelona did, and it was a last 16 exit. It wasn't Arsenal style around this point, but um, here it certainly was. A bit of an outlier for Arsenal as we, uh, as we move forward and take a look at the next few years of uh, Champions League competition, which we will do um, later on in the year. And uh, it was PSV who eliminated the North London club. It looked to be going to extra time until uh, Alex, who had scored an own goal. Of course, the uh, pretty certain it was the um, Chelsea defender there. He equalised on the 83rd minute to uh, knock Arsenal out of the tournament early on. So the two Celtic were out at the last 16. They took AC Milan all the way to the uh, extra time period. And it was Kaka's 93rd minute who... Um, who broke the deadlock across the two legs and it helped, obviously, AC Milan qualify for the uh, for the quarterfinals where we, having mentioned, already defeated Bayern Munich. Celtic did very well, though, to get through a group against a strong Benfica team. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura, the uh, free kick, scoring against Manchester United, which was an incredible, uh, incredible atmosphere at Celtic Park. And a win against... Uh, a win against Benfica put Celtic through and um, those days, unfortunately, are long gone. Um, we've already mentioned Mancini's incredible step-over goal against Lyon, but some other goals of the season, we've got Daniele De Rossi's volley in um, in the famous Manchester United versus Roma match at Old Trafford and pretty much a goal of the competition 
goal of the tournament competition played out on that on that night. Alan Smith's got a great team goal. Michael Carrick netted two screamers as well, and um, yeah, quite the uh, quite the night for the goals. There's plenty of them, of course, which we'll be uh, looking at later on. Frank Lampard's got a beautiful lob at the camp now. If you remember that, right on the angle, um, Ronaldinho scored one of his uh, quirky free kicks under the wall against Werder Bremen, and um, Van der Vaart had a um, pretty special goal at the Emirates for Hamburg as well. And um, you also have David Silver's absolute bomb. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out from the blue for Valencia at Chelsea on the angle from, well, looks from about 30, 40 yards out. And, um, of course, we can't mention... Any more goals like that without without talking about Kaka's second goal at Old Trafford in the semi-final, which was uh, pretty special. And that's probably alongside Mancini's step-over goal and perhaps De Rossi's against Manchester United as well at Old Trafford. Um, I think they're my top three for this season in terms of goals in the Champions League. After this short break, we'll be moving away from the pretenders and looking at the real front runners here. We'll be looking at Milan, we'll be looking at Roma, we'll be looking at Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Would Chelsea and Liverpool play against one another? Well, of course. Right. Stick around after this short break. Welcome back. And we're going to discuss... The front runners for the Champions League in 2007. We are on the other side of that winter break. And for Roma, sadly, the Champions League season will be forever remembered for the quarterfinal second leg at Old Trafford, which we have, uh, which we've alluded to plenty of occasions in this podcast already. However, they did beat a very good Lyon team in the last 16. That should be commended. And we're in a stage here where Roma are tactically very good under Luciano Spalletti's 4-6-0. You'd have Francesco Totti as a, a wonderful false nine. And that sort of system helped sort of give Manchester United the uh, the impetus in the coming seasons on how to um, on how to play in Europe. And uh, Ferguson would take that lesson. And um, Roma played very well in a 2-1 win against United at the Olympico in the first leg of the quarterfinal. Unfortunately, though, for Roma, it all came crumbling down with the uh, with the memorable seven one victory for United, one of the biggest um, one of their biggest wins in the European competition, and that was really the game that changed it all for United, really in this era because they were on their way to the Premier League wasn't wrapped up by that point at any means, but they were well on their way to maturing with the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney as a tandem after that World Cup debacle. They were really firing on all cylinders and reaching a, a point of maturity where they could go and play in the biggest games in Europe and 
feel pretty confident about winning the competition. And tactically, for Ferguson, it helped um, it helped them move on to the next level, obviously, with the signing of Carlos Tevez to come. Him, Rooney, Ronaldo, and um, a litany of uh, players behind them from Giggs, Nanny, Hargreaves, Skulls, Carrick, etc. It helped them sort of change their football a little bit. They had been playing 4-2-3-1 um, for quite some time in Europe, tended to go to a 4-4-2 back home, but were predominantly playing 4-2-3-1 across the board by this point. And um, they, they really uh, utilised the false nine very well um, in the coming sort of 18 to 24 months with the arrivals of Carlos Tevez, Dimitar Berbatov as well. And um, for United here, though, it was a fairly nondescript group phase, won four, lost two, but that compared to the prior season was uh, was much welcomed, gaining a measure of revenge by uh, beating Benfica in both games and eliminating them and going through themselves, of course, as well. The win against Lille in the last 16 was marred by crowd trouble and they got away with an away goal from the uh, north of France there and at the end, uh, a 2-0 aggregate win. And um, of course, the quarterfinal was in between and then a semi-final against Milan where we've already discussed the uh, Kaká goal and he was probably the shining light in this game. But it still wasn't a win for the uh, Rossoneri. Wayne Rooney's last-minute goal put United... Not, I wouldn't say into the driving seat for the second leg. They were certainly ahead in the tie, but around this point, taking a one-goal loss back home, it wasn't um, wasn't a bad position really, particularly in a semi-final. And um, Milan showed their showed their dominance really in the second leg at the San Siro, three 0 up. They put the game to bed essentially by half time. Said off, you know, Kaká scoring as well. Um, a, a good springboard for United, a good um, learning curve for them. But obviously Milan, they were just a bit more experienced. As we mentioned, they're qualifying for their third final in five seasons and um, looked all the bit of it against what was essentially quite an quite an inexperienced United team when it came to when it came to Europe. And they would win the Premier League, they'd gain that trophy back after four seasons and would be well on their way in the following season, which we will, of course, discuss later on in the year. Chelsea and Liverpool, well, they finally looked to have avoided each other. This time, of course, they couldn't draw each other in the groups. Liverpool won their group comfortably, really, and Chelsea had to beat Barcelona to get to the last 16. So we've already mentioned Liverpool's win over Barca. And um, Chelsea left it late to beat Porto in the last 16. Of course, still managed by... Porto's old manager, Jose Mourinho, and then Valencia in the quarterfinals was a tricky test, but the likes of Michael Ballack and uh, Michael Essien as well, scoring the goals to put Chelsea through into the semi-finals. whilst Liverpool couldn't have had a more serene quarterfinal, really, a 4-0 victory on aggregate over PSV, and of course, UEFA couldn't have dreamed up a better Semi-final outing, could they? Liverpool versus Chelsea, round three. And uh, if only they would have progressed in the last 16 of the prior season, they would have had a third round there. But this is this is the round three. The previous two games at Stamford Bridge across the prior seasons was a, a nil-nil draw in the semi-final first leg of the 2004-05 season. We had a nil-nil draw in the group stages of the uh, 2005-06 season. And here... It was not the case. Joe Cole scored the only goal and this was the first time that Chelsea had got on the board in terms of uh, beating Liverpool in the Champions League at this at this um, this juncture. So maybe a new era, maybe Chelsea were finally making the Champions League final, but it was, again, 
Chelsea, they'd not scored at Anfield in the prior two games. Of course, a nil-nil draw in the group stages of the 2005-06 season, of course, the famous the famous Luis Garcia goal um, from the moon, as Jose Mourinho put it in the 2005 semi-final. Um, the scoreline was the same here, Dan Agger scoring the, uh, scoring the goal, and it would be extra time, it would be penalties, the dourness of Chelsea versus Liverpool. We'd had... We'd had six games and we'd had a grand total of two, uh, three goals. Sorry, Dan Agger, Joe Cole, and Luis Garcia. And um, from the spots, obviously, it wasn't going to be the uh, the strikers being the hero. It's Pepe Reina saving from both Jeremy and Iron Robin, which meant Liverpool were booked in for a rematch with Milan. Milan had um, racked up their points early on the board in the group phases before losing their final two games in the group. And it was a Milan team built fairly similarly to the 2005 team that reached the final as well. Except this was more of a 4-4-1. Kaká was still in the number 10 now behind Inzaghi. Of course, Shevchenko is now playing his football in England. You still got Andrea Perlo dictating from deep. Gattuso and Sadov endlessly running in the channels in those central defensive positions and it was the likes of uh, Jan Kolovsky and Ambrosini making the cup for the final Paolo Maldini shifting in centrally with uh, Alessandro Nesta and uh, we go to the final we go to Athens we have um, a well on the face of it it looks like a fluke and to me it it looks like a fluke anyway Um, but Pippo Inzaghi is adamant that the the first goal um, was a training ground routine so it's a it's an Andrea Perlo free kick, fairly central, just off to the left, and um, he's curling it for the um, the corner that which is occupied by the goalkeeper. So he's going around the wall, and it's um, it's a bit too close to get up and under. Although I reckon Perlo could probably could have done that um, given his um, given his ability. Um, and what you have is Inzaghi running across the goalkeeper. Perhaps it's more to unsight the goalkeeper and make him sort of wonder like you get those crosses in and the goalkeeper doesn't know whether to come for the ball or leave it and ends up being in no man's land no attacker or defender touches the ball and just sails straight through that kind of thing I think was uh, maybe what Pippo Inzaghi was saying when uh, it was a quote-unquote training ground routine but here it worked maybe a happy accident it um, it was a Perlo free kick and it just hits Inzaghi on the belly and um, obviously Rain is going to dive and it just goes straight in. Deflected free kick and it took it in. And Milan, it was right before the halftime break as well, which as sickening as the goal was in the, the method it was scored, it was uh, a sickening time to concede as well for um, Liverpool. Bit of a sucker punch before the break. And um, in terms of the comparisons between the 2005 final, this game couldn't have been more different. Rafa Benitez has clearly learned he was now playing a 4-2-3-1. We now had um, Javier Mascherano in uh, in the midfield, which was pretty much shoring up Liverpool and making them uh, a far greater team than what they were in 2005. Yes, it was obviously lionised that that season for all the uh, rollercoaster displays, the... uh, the goal against Olympiacos, the incredible comeback in Istanbul against Milan. But this one, this team was better. It has to be said. You've got Gerard playing in a number 10 position where after this summer, we'd see Fernando Torres um, come, into the, come into the lineup. And amid the, the Dirk Couts, Peter Crouches, although functional strikers, functional attackers, Kout primarily out wide was a, a nuisance. I feel as though Liverpool were always 
crying out for a, a striker like Fernando Torres and him and Steven Gerrard with Gerrard in the number 10, Fernando Torres playing number nine was really the point where Liverpool started to ascend to another level. And we'd see that in the league. They would challenge more for uh, for league titles. They, whilst they wouldn't come back to a European final for another decade or so, they were um, they were probably a better team. And you can probably get the the measure of a team by how well they do in the league. And certainly in the two thousand and eight nine season, they were a title contender for the first time really since the days of uh, Kenny Dalglish as manager. And it was really because of the Mascherano and Alonso double pivot. You've got Gerard in a in a position where he's not playing right wing. He's not playing as a in as a six or an eight, he's playing in a ten, where in my opinion is where he plays his best football, and he just needed a great strike partner. The first half, in comparison to 2005, was tetchy at best. It wasn't Milan's free-flowing football. It wasn't Liverpool having to withstand barrages of attacks or even like going too far down and looking out by the half-time spot. It was one nil, and maybe you think, okay, Liverpool come from three goals behind. Two years ago, they were a better team, inarguably, in my opinion. Surely they can go and go ahead and win this as well. But um, there was no rousing spirited comeback for Liverpool um, this time round. It is a closer game. I'd, I think Liverpool probably performed better in 2007 than they did in 2005. Yes, they scored three goals and yes, it was miraculous. But it was a huge slice of fortune in some instances as well. You've got Milan... After the second half break, of course, you've got the ingenuity from Rafael Benitez to go to a wing-back system, which it helped immeasurably. That was a huge facet of the 2005 win. But you've also got Milan switching off for about six or seven minutes, and that's when Liverpool capitalise and score the three goals. And then it's not a case of Liverpool then going for a win. It's them trying to stay in the game. And you've got Andrei Shevchenko. I still don't know how Jersey Dudek was able to... Uh, to manufacture that double save in extra time in 2005. But here it's unfortunately for Liverpool, Pippo Inzaghi, rounding Dudek's success of Pepe Reina on a counter-attack, slipping in the second goal on 82 minutes. And that is essentially the the game over. Liverpool do have that um, chance to reply. Dirk Kout scores what was ultimately a a consolation goal. And um, in terms of Liverpool shirts... Probably Jermaine Pennant had a good game. He's one of his probably his best games from a Liverpool perspective. But uh, aside from that, unfortunately, Milan had, um, just as Liverpool had learned, tactically Milan had two. And in playing this 4-4-1 system, which uh, they had deviated from his uh, Ancelotti's usual need to shoehorn in two strikers and a number 10 or rather Silvio Berlusconi the Milan owner wanted two strikers and um, obviously with Ancelotti's experience with Zinedine Zidane playing a number 10 um, we've um, it just changed his whole outset outlook on the game from uh, a Saki acolyte playing 4-4-2 to then stumbling upon Zinedine Zidane when he became manager of Juventus and which changes Perhaps changes his whole uh, managerial career, maybe. But here, Ancelotti, he's winning his second Champions League of his um, of his illustrious managerial career. Of course, won plenty as a player for Milan as well. And um, now, as we sit here in 2022, he's the most successful manager in the history of the competition. And obviously, with his uh, Champions League wins as a player, has to go down as the man in terms of Champions League football. Yes, Paco Gento won six 
didn't he, for Real Madrid back in the day. But Ancelotti's conquered it both as a player and as a manager and um, defeated Liverpool, of course, this year to win his fourth Champions League as a manager. That's all we've got time for this week. Next week, we'll be doing something completely different. We'll go back to and revisit seasons of the Premier League and the Champions League another week, but next time is the return of Obscure Footballer, episode 10 of that particular podcast here on the What If Football podcast. I hope you join us here on the Sports Social Podcast Network and anywhere else you get your podcasts as well. Feel free to support us over there on uh, Patreon. We've got some lovely stuff in preparation for the World Cup. Believe me, we'll be uh, ramping up the content as much as that word makes me squirm now. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, for supporting the channel and until next week, silly. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.